welcome to another live at you. This is Garrett Anderson coming at you live on Tuesday, October 25th. It is almost Halloween and I wanted to get a little podcast out this week. I've got a few minutes before picking up my kids from school and I uh, turned off the air conditioning so the house is nice and quiet. I'm sitting in a new spot. I haven't tried this spot before. Um, It's uh, in the same room as the piano as the last one. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm um, pretty pumped up. Just shot a couple hoops at the uh, the little basketball court that's at the gym at my work, um, which is a nice perk that I don't probably take advantage of as much as I should. But hey, uh, you know, I took advantage of it this afternoon. I knew I wanted to do the podcast, but um, you know, I kind of got a little bit drowsy at the end of the day. And I was actually listening to Joe Rogan's podcast where he has this guy on called the Iceman. Um, His name is Wim Hof. And he's got this breathing technique. um, And his whole trip is all about if you can uh, supply your body with more oxygen and give it some conscious intention as to where you need to be directing your body's um, like limbic systems and immune systems um, and blood flow that you can, uh, he, he has done these incredible feats like um, running marathons barefoot in shorts in the Arctic and swimming 100 yards under some frozen ice and things like that. So I was like, I was thinking about that in, in my own self and I thought, hey, I've been pretty sedentary for the most of the day, just kind of sitting at the computer doing my job. I was like, I do need some exercise. I need to get some deep breaths in. Right? like really, you know, stretch out my, my respiratory system and and get that oxygen back in the blood and get it flowing through. So wanted to approach today's uh, podcast with some energy. So I said, you know what, it's a, it's a beautiful day here in, in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. Let me take the basketball out and shoot around, even though I was in my work clothes, you know, um, it's pretty business casual khakis and a, and a golf polo kind of, um, I don't like running around with pants on, but Hey, you know, it can't always be perfect. So I said, screw it, let's run around, even though I got my pants on, um, and uh, shoot some baskets, get the blood flow, get some deep breaths, and uh, come approach this podcast with some energy. Um, so I've got a few things to talk about this afternoon. We'll do a little bit of lightning round stuff, uh, but I do want to talk about um, being home alone, uh, not home alone, but uh, um you know, my wife travels a bit for work and I have some more observations about that. Um, I played a gig at Wild Vines um, last Wednesday, which went well. And I'll do a quick uh, recap of that highlights. Um, <clears throat> I played a little poker over the weekend. I'm going to talk about that a little bit. Um, and I uh, ended up with uh, taking my dog to the grocery store. Stick around for that story because Uh, That was an adventure. Um, I might, if there's time, talk a little bit about uh, my strategy for booking performances and booking gigs, because that's been uh, a little bit of of an active zone in my music career, or of late. And, um, oh, this last bullet point on um, on my phone notepad, I wrote down... Um, basically the gist is that I I realized that a lot of this podcast is examples of, and me riffing on, um, the rest of my life, right? We think about musicians and artists for the most part for their creative endeavors. Um, but I think one of the most fascinating things about any artist is that they're a person first, right? They were a little bitty baby and then they grew up and they had a little passion or a, a knack for something in the creative arts. Um, and some of these folks literally let it, you know, become an obsession. Um, and I am, I feel, uh, some kindred spirit with some of these guys, like maybe like a Jackson Pollock or, um, you know, just somebody who's th- completely throws themselves into their art form. Um, you know, uh, this singer, Jeff Buckley, I think maybe he was very troubled in his personal life, perhaps, because of how much he threw himself into his art form. Um, I'm, I'm at a loss for other examples. Maybe like, uh, maybe like John Belushi uh, from, the, from the comic world. Uh, um, you know, uh, one of the original Blues Brothers. Uh, Belushi was obviously 
a genius, a comic genius, but he had his demons, right? So I think one of the fascinating things is is learning about other artists and seeing how they do their personal lives. Um, I love watching documentaries about other artists, and um, and then just sort of it's it's you can't help but compare it to your own experience. And I'm like, you know what? I realize that a lot of what I talk about on the podcast is is almost borderline an excuse for not being more successful. I'm like, hey, you know, I don't question that I have good days and some decent tunes and, uh, you know, a little bit of talent. And I've put in those hours on the guitar. So I'm I'm pretty proficient at performing. But uh, so I, I almost feel like at this stage in my life, I'm 32. I've got two kids and a wife and a house and a day job. I'm, I'm hitting all the marks on a very sort of um, routine, successful, you know, modern America version of success kind of life, but maybe I'm falling a little bit short to my own standards of where I'm at musically. And so uh, part of this podcast, the intention of even starting doing it was to get my mission and my brand out there. And um, as a quick aside, I realized that, you know, my mission um, is, is to be a songwriter first and a performer second. Since I have family and a wife and a kids and job, um, and a dog and a cat and a goldfish. Um, I want to, um, I want to try to figure out how to monetize my musical inclinations in a way that is not destructive to the rest of my life. So, um, now of late, I've been kind of paying more attention to the performance part. And that's the part that is very demanding on my time and my energy and my focus. And I find myself, um, you know, maybe instead of paying a little extra attention to the kids, um, one evening, I will strap on my guitar and go plug in and work out a, a new song for my upcoming set. And that's all well and good, but I, I do want to strike a balance. So that's one of the things I'm working on, um, is trying to make sure it's a balance. And I'm not one of those, you know, in, in, in the smallest way, I'm almost jealous of those artists that can just completely put up the middle finger to society and be like, I am not living by your rules. I am going to create for the purpose of creating and I'm going to express myself and express my art and get it out there in the world in whatever way, shape or form I can. And I'm just going to hustle and I'm going to be a wackadoo um, and uh, you know, just be a creative and, and put it out there. And, and uh, in some regards, I almost think that adopting that sort of persona lends credence to your craft because people are like, oh, my God, this is all this guy does. It, it, let's check it out. It must be worthwhile. Or isn't this interesting that this is all this guy does? This is his passion and his livelihood and his, his, you know, his obsession. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, as I've mentioned before, I don't know if that sort of quote unquote rock and roll rock star um, lifestyle is, is something that I want. So I was, I was doing some, um, some self-reflection thinking about, well, what do I want? And, I would love to sell my songs to already successful artists, mainstream performers. I'm talking Mumford and Sons, Dave Matthews Band, Citizen Cope, Jack Johnson, John Mayer, um, Animal Liberation Orchestra, uh, Kings of Leon, uh, Foo Fighters. I've got a song picked out for Dave Grohl that I think he would absolutely crush um, called Cellar Door. And, um, yeah, so I, I want to figure out a way to per- pursue that aspect of the music career. Um, but the funny thing is, is that that to me, uh, I'm holding myself back a little bit because that to me sounds like a lot of paperwork, a lot of cold calling, a lot of phone calls and, and a lot of hat in hand going to people and kind of begging and say, I'm down on my knees, like, help me make this a reality. And I will admit that's, that's not an easy proposition for me. I, I like to be independent. I like to be self-sufficient. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I'm reluctant to, to say, Hey, I need help to make this happen. Um, but, uh, you know, admitting it is half the battle and maybe I can help, uh, get myself over this. Um, and by all means, I'm all ears. If, if y'all got any ideas or, or connections for that matter, if somebody happens to be best friends with the lead singer of Kings of Leon and you want to say, Hey, this guy, Garrett Anderson, he's a, he's a decent songwriter. He's got a couple tracks uh, that he'd like for you to hear. Uh, maybe we could make that happen. But, uh, yeah, so of late I've been playing more gigs, which is good. Um, I played a gig at Janie's, 
you know, Janie's was a while ago. Uh, this, this past week was um, Wild Vines on a Wednesday night. It was a little bit quiet. I was, um, I was hoping that there would be a bigger turnout. Um, but, uh, you know, the folks that were there were receptive. Um, I, uh, I played pretty well. So early on in the set, um, because I knew it was going to be kind of a low-key night, I was like, you know what, let me pick some songs that I don't usually do. Uh, if the bar is packed and, and kind of loud, I'll, pro- I'll stick to the, you know, mostly, mostly mainstream cover songs if I'm going to do a cover. But I do have some deeper cuts in my repertoire, and I wanted to try those out a little bit. So I said, you know what, I was flipping through and I saw Dave Matthews' song, Pig. Um, I said, you know, that'd be a fun one to try. Um, I do have my guitar here, so uh, let me just demo a couple moments of that. Um, it's a little bit of a deeper cut, but... Isn't it strange How we move our lives For another day Like skipping a beat You know, that's a little bit different than being like He wakes up in the morning I mean, most people will recognize that tune, but not necessarily like But don't burn the don't burn the day away Come sister, my brother Shake up your bones, shake up your feet I'm saying open up and let the rain come flooding in Wash out this tide, no sun Best is yet to come, but all while you're dancing on the ground, don't think of oh when you're gone. Love, love, love. What more is there? Cause we need the light of love. Don't be choice. Etc. Etc. Right. So I was playing that tune, and I was like, "Oh man!" I was kind of looking around. I, I couldn't tell if people were enjoying it or not, and um, I was, you know, kind of a little rusty on it. Um, but uh, I was having a good time playing it, and lo and behold, this is one of those live music magic moments that just keep, makes me want to keep coming back for more. This dude at the bar stands up after I finished playing that song "Pig" by Dave Matthews, and uh, he comes over. He slips me a couple bucks. He says, "Hey, man, that's one of my favorite artists, and uh, I think it's so cool that you did that tune." I was like, "Oh man, awesome!" So I, it's just like those kind of real person-to-person interactive moments of playing out live are so addicting like it makes my my uh my self-worth and my sense of adventure and it makes all the setting up and grabbing cables and plugging them in and it makes all that stuff worthwhile makes the drive worthwhile i mean it all pales in comparison to having this real moment where someone's like hey I want to express some gratitude to you for playing some music out in the open air. Like, that is such a high. It is such a thrill. No wonder it's been something that I've worked into my, 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 my life for, you know, the last 10, 12, however many years it's been. Let's see here. I'm 32 now. I started gigging out maybe junior year of high school, I want to say. So speaking of Dave Matthews, one of the first live performances I ever did was there was this band um, of upperclassmen when I was a freshman, and I remember their lead their lead dude, this guy named Crawford Smith, who still has some uh, musical ambitions and aspirations, and and he's got his stuff up on Facebook. So yeah, look up Crawford Smith, and uh, I I don't know if I've told him. I think I've probably told him once or twice over the years, but. I thought this guy was cool. Like he would just walk around with his guitar, and he could play all the Dave Matthews songs. Um, so when he was, uh, I guess, a senior, well, when he was a junior, maybe I was a freshman. I got to see his band because he put together a, a Dave Matthews uh, slash, you know, kind of other artist cover band with a fiddle, drums, bass, and him. 
and uh, I was blown away. Like I, I so enjoyed falling in love with live music. Like I just remember watching live music and being like, "This is fucking magic." Like, how is this happening? How is this happening right here? So at, at our high school, we had this event called Peace Jam. And it was a cool event sponsored by, a, <clears throat> what were they called? A, like a, one of the after-school clubs that was all about, like, human rights issues and, and being civically, uh, you know, like, sensitive and, and, uh, and cool. Amnesty International was, I think, their name. Amnesty, that's an interesting concept. So where you like grant people uh, f- like freedom from their either crimes or debts or whatever, amnesty. Yeah, so uh, I didn't go to the club, but I definitely went to the little music festival they put on called Peace Jam. And um, I was playing with my buddy, Howie. And we had acoustic guitars and we were playing as a little duo. And um, we got a gig at one of the Peace Jams. And... Um, this was uh, so I guess the next year so my junior my freshman year Crawford's junior year sorry there's a lot of names and dates getting thrown around here so Crawford was the guy that led the Dave Matthews cover band I got to go see him my freshman year and I was blown away and then uh, I think it was my sophomore year either sophomore or junior year um, as you can tell I'm a stickler for details psych generalities are cool with me as long as we get the story across. Okay, Garrett, let's get the story across. So, um, Crawford couldn't make Peace Jam one year, my my junior year, his senior year, I guess. And the band was like, hey, you know, we're all ready to play. We were wondering if you want to come step in here and, and perform. Ants Marching, I think, was one. And all along the Watchtower was the other, just to, to help them play their set because this guy Crawford wasn't there. And it was such a trip. I had such a great time getting up there and, and, and being the front man for that group and just hearing the electric violin jamming along. It was so, so cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, how did I get off on that tangent? It's talking about falling in love with live music. And that was one of my first public performances, like, to, of that scale, you know, with, like, an actual stage and actual sound gear and not just me and my buddies playing on somebody's deck, um, which we did a fair amount of, too. Um, yeah, looking back, like, it's so... <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> um, hold on. Just a quick sip of water here. <clears throat> yeah, looking back, it just seems so obvious to me that this is such a passion for me, and it's no surprise that here I am, 32 years old, wife and kids in a house, and I'm still grinding to try to figure out a way to make this part of my life, um, and and uh, it is, and I'm so grateful for that, and it's, it is one of the things that I hold sacred. It, it is magic to me um, to get to be a part of a live music community. It's just so cool. Um, yeah, so, uh, so yeah, okay, okay, the guy said, though Dave Matthews was one of his favorite artists, and he thanked me for the tune, and that just kind of set the tone for the rest of the gig at uh, Wild Vines last week. I just, it's like, man, that is so cool, I'm so glad to hear it, and then, uh, you know, a lot of smiles, a lot of friendly faces, I was messing around with the, uh, the loop pedal, and getting some things going, um, oh, that reminds me, also, stick around to the end of this podcast, because I'm going to use... A, uh, a little loop recording that I made last night while I was just doing some jamming. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a creepy Halloween kind of uh, audio clip that I got on my voice memos on my phone. And uh, that'll be the outro music for today's podcast. It's a little bit of a creepy thing. Um, when you listen to it, think about, like, um, sound effects for, like, a mad scientist's laboratory. That's kind of like, I didn't mean to do that, but I just recorded something and got it looping, and then I got zany with it. And I was like, oh, that's kind of... My girls came in, and they were like, whoa, that's scary. What is that? It's spooky. And they ran in. They'll find any excuse to come run in and talk to me while I'm trying to jam. Um, yeah, God bless them. You know, they're six and four. They need a lot of attention. I get it. Uh, but they come in, they're like, it's spooky. And I was like, guys, well, let's pretend it's like a mad scientist's laboratory. And he's, like, mixing up potions and doing experiments and, like, 
you know, cutting into brains and stuff. And they're like, oh, I don't like it. And I was like, come on, girls. It's almost Halloween. We got to get in the spooky spirit. Come on. So, uh, so yeah, stick around for the, the voice memo that wraps up the podcast today. I think you'll like it. Um, so, uh, yeah, thank you to Wild Vines for having me out. <clears throat> I got a, I pitched them today in an email. Um, oh, yeah, so this is kind of a decent segue to talk about um, booking gigs strategy. Um, I, uh, I've been pretty active on the email lately. The email. I've been pretty active on the email uh, lately. Um, uh, just following up with people that book at restaurants and pubs and wineries and such. Um, basically, my strategy, because I don't have a booking agent, I do it all myself, is to, um, you know, so I'm, I'm new to the Scottsdale area. I'm new to Phoenix as of, you know, two and a half, three years ago. Um, so I started from scratch, right? All you can do is look around at the bars and the restaurants and the venues around you and figure out where the live music spots are. And then you cold call or email or show up and introduce yourself, say, Hey, who, you know, who can I talk to about booking music? And then, um, you, you know, hopefully get a contact and get some interest and, or they'll say, Hey, you know, we're booked up for the year, but I do my booking in November. So contact me then. And I don't make a note of it and don't follow up because I'm like, oh, that's not low hanging fruit. And I don't do this so much. Like I, I'm kind of, uh, I have enough, uh, enough, uh, other obligations that I don't need to be booking three and four nights a week. Right. I do maybe two, three a month and that's plenty for me. So I can kind of just be lazy and take the low hanging fruit. But, uh, but yeah, so if someone says, Hey, sure. Like what, what kind of music do you play? And I say, I, I play acoustic guitar through some effects pedals so I can get some layers going and loops going. And I grew up listening to classic rock. Um, so I do a bunch of classic rock and, and alt rock um, covers. And I'm a songwriter as well. So I play some original music. And my overall vibe is kind of like a soul folk groove vibe. And usually people kind of don't know what to make of that. And I always kind of as you could tell, stumble and bumble my way through that description, I really should come up with a better description. Just be like, yeah, I'm like American groove music or something. But um, it's such a cliche, but when you're a band in high school or you're a college band and people are like, what kind of music do you play? You're like, man, we play a little bit of everything, man. We're like, don't, don't, don't peg us down. We don't have to be defined, man. Like this hippy dippy, like, don't label me, bruh. Um, that it's cliche, but it's kind of true. Like, you know, I'm like, well, on this song, I finger pick and, and sing like Paul Simon. And then on this song, I cover Eddie Vedder, um, you know, doing, doing Jeremy or something. Um, that's been one of my go-to favorite, uh, sort of energetic rock tunes to play at, at places. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so been, uh, been okay so you send out an email and then they say what kind of music do you play and then you say and if you want to get a vibe for what i do just go to my website garrettandersonmusic.com and up there i've got an electronic press kit epk for short and what that is is a landing page uh if someone is, goes to my web page and then they see epk hopefully they understand that means electronic press kit they uh if they're involved in the industry at all they will be um, and they, they click on that and then it's a short bio, a long bio, um, just basically a, a one page kind of whoring myself out, right? This is why you should hire me. I've got a long song list, um, an adventurous performer, which means that it's going to be an engaging type of show, hopefully a little bit interactive with taking requests and whatnot. And, uh, and then a little video and a link to my music, I guess. Um, and that way they can listen for themselves. Um, frankly, the stuff that's up and out and available is probably a little bit dated. I think I've gotten a lot better in the last three years. So, um, hopefully I can get into the studio or take some time to, to make some videos or something. Um, but the video that's up there, I think is from new year's two years ago, new year's Eve, two years ago, I recorded Martin Sexton's diner, uh, which is a, a fabulous tune. Hey, since I got the guitar here, might as well. This is the flavor of this podcast. This song got really popular because um, it was used on Scrubs. You might have seen one out in Minnesota. 
maybe I'm in Sarasota They were made on worse mass of aluminum bake like glass You might find a down and down to Georgia Carolina after talking about a pigweed and cut you out in Waynesboro. Where a ding dong sink tent all she could do dab gonna make it out of mold. That's a little bit of verse two on top of verse one. Down on my shiny shiny love. In the natural I'm thinking of down on my shiny, shiny love. The ending's really fun. I'll, uh, the ending is coming up. This is a bridge version. Down on my shiny, shiny, yeah, yeah, love. It's the chicken biscuit. Sound the gravy, peach cobbler. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's Martin Sexton's Diner. Um, a little abridged version. So, uh, love playing that song. Um, I think actually learning to play that song kind of catapulted me into this whole new level of confidence and like self-assuredness and just capability because uh, that tune it sounds so big to me for just being one person playing and singing guitar. Um, no loops needed on that sucker, man. That thing just speaks for itself. Beautiful song. Thank you, Mr. Martin Sexton, for that one. Um, <clears throat> So, uh, yeah, if people want to, they can look at that video on my EPK page. Um, oops, sorry, I just popped the microphone. And, uh, and then, you know, it's up to them if they want to book me or not. I hope I'm a good vibe for their place. I certainly wouldn't want someone to book me in a bad vibe for their place. You know, I do not need to go play someplace where it's like screamo metal. Um, you know, don't need to go play there. Thanks. Um, I'll pass. Um, so yeah, just go put me in some sort of rootsy or, or jazzy modern vibe, like, uh, you know, rootsy ski lodge vibe to, um, you know, a little bit dressed up collared shirts at a, at a, at a martini bar vibe. Like that's, that's my scene there. Um, all right, I got to keep chugging here. Um, about, let's see. Yeah, I'm over 25 minutes in. I only got a couple more minutes before I got to go kick, uh, pick up the kids. Um, and uh, so uh, poker, I don't really need to pl talk about that. Um, uh, uh, hold on. Before I get ahead of myself. So when you book gigs, they'll say, you know, hey, we, we dug it. We've got these dates available. Can you can you book any of them? And then you confirm them and you put them on your calendar and then, uh, you know, you go play. And then hopefully they dig it and you do a good job and you're professional. You show up on time. You start on time. Um, you're courteous to the staff and, you know, you just be a professional about it. Um, engage with the patrons and, and try to bring a little bit of energy to the night and hopefully you get invited back. Send a thank you note, say, hey, I'm interested. Um, so uh, there's a couple places that I, I had sent some emails to and hadn't heard back from. So you know, every few weeks you just go through your sent emails and you, you, this is what I do at least, I go through my sent emails and I'm like, oh yeah, that, that cool wine restaurant that looked really cool on their webpage. Like I'd like to follow up with them and find out if they want some music. So, And I'll tell you, it makes a difference. This morning, I sent an email about playing some farmer's markets, and uh, this afternoon, I got offered a, a farmer's market gig for this Sunday. I cannot take it because I'm going to be in Vegas fishing, fishing with a PH, my friends. I'm talking about the band fish, the jam band fish. Gonna, me and two buddies are going to road trip uh, over to Vegas, staying with my cousin, and uh, going to the MGM Grand for uh, two nights of concerts on Saturday and Sunday. Going, uh, I got to figure out if I can throw an easy little Halloween costume in the bag. Um, to see if maybe we can get some, some wacky Halloween festivities into. Should be great. Hopefully I'll have some stories for the podcast after that one. I'm sure I will. Um, but, uh, yeah, so this farmer's market lady Sunday, you know, she was like, Hey, I've got a gig this Sunday. And if, if I was available, I would have taken it and that would have been great. You know, that's, that's how you book gigs is you stay on top of it. You'd be, uh, what do I call it? Polite persistence is what I call it. 
you know, not not every day, but uh, you know, every couple every couple of weeks or so, you say, "Hey, I'm still interested. If you've got any openings, please let me know." Another really good tactic if you want to book a place that's like a live music venue where they've got a calendar up, etc., is you check their calendar and you look for, you know, it looks like they have music Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but then in the middle of the month here, they don't have any music on that Friday. You know, maybe they got a cancellation or an opening and you, you, if you're available, you say, Hey, you know, I see that, uh, it looks like Friday's open on your calendar. You know, I, can I play that night? So you can even do part of their job for them and suggest dates to book. Um, so hopefully if there's any aspiring musicians out there, that's, that's what I do. And, um, I'm sure I could improve on my process. I, I don't have any training in being my own booking agent, but it seems like that's pretty much all there is to it. <laughs> now, uh, I could probably do a better job negotiating my compensation because I'm, I'm very relaxed about that. Hey, Jackie. Jack just walked over. I'm giving him a pet. Good boy. Um, so, okay, that, that wraps it up for booking strategy. I didn't mean to go on this long about this stuff, um, but uh, I think that's a good sign. I'm pumped up, I'm energized, just riffing riffing some days podcasting is very easy and today is one of those days hey buddy come here just relax just relax okay good boy um oh speaking of jack it's almost like he knew i was about to talk about him i'm gonna skip over poker and all i'll say is that if you're expecting to play no limit poker uh just a friendly game with you know a little tournament with some friends um and then the host decides that it's limit poker that that kind of threw me off um if you're not a poker player don't worry about it um if you're a poker player you'll probably understand um i just i've got no experience playing limit poker like uh you know the bet can only be twice the the big blind i was like wait how am i supposed to push people out or you know like if you're short stacked you're really disadvantaged because you can't threaten to go all in with something um so it was made it really hard to bluff and once i was down in chips i just had to play really tight and i didn't you know didn't didn't turn out i uh, there was probably 12 of us and i think i was knocked out fourth um fourth or fifth which was just outside the money then paid out the top three players but you know only paid 20 bucks uh, to get 20 bucks in chips and um, I think I'm okay to talk about that on this podcast. The guy said that Arizona law was as long as the house for a friendly game, just a little uh, impromptu neighborhood game. As long as the, uh, the host doesn't take a cut, then it's legal. You can gamble all day long if you want with your friends, as long as uh, there's no house cut, because that obviously needs to be regulated, right? Um, so uh, anyway, that's all. Oh, the, and then the, the most important thing I can say about poker night was if you're going to host a poker night, Please put on a little bit of music, a little bit of background music. I was dying because it was quiet and these people were focusing on playing poker. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I was really hoping there was going to be at least sports on the TV or some background music on the stereo. But it was just quiet. You could hear, like, shuffling the cards. Hey, buddy. All right. I got to let him out. Jack. Jackie. Yeah, good boy. All right, hold on. Be right back. Okay, yeah, so remember to put on music if you're going to host a poker party, or any party for that matter. Parties are always better with music. Um, That's all I got to say about poker. Um, So the next day, I am watching the kids by myself, and I'm like, you know what? We got to get these girls out of the house. Uh, there's a few things we need to do today, but let's let's have a little fun first. We'll get a little sunshine in the morning before it gets too hot. Let's take the dog to the dog park. So me and my two daughters, uh, ages six and four, hop in the car, throw the dog in the car, and we head over to the dog park and let the dog run around and let the kids run around and meet other dogs. And it was just beautiful, right? Really great time. Um, it, was, it was awesome. Um really lively at the park on a Sunday morning. I was, uh, so frankly, I was a little bit hungover from the poker party. Um, once I lost, I, I decided that I was going to finish, 
um, the uh, frozen margarita that the guy made and it was in a blender and I just kind of dumped the rest of it into my solo cup and drank it. I, did, I didn't feel drunk drunk, but I think maybe it was all the sugars that were in the uh, margarita that he threw together um, that, uh, that kind of combined with the tequila and made me feel a little crummy the next morning. I was also out a little bit later than I had expected to be. Um, so combination of Oh, the other wrinkle here. And again, this goes back to just like how many obligations do, do, do I have? I was on weekend shift for my job. So I had to be up at 640 to get something done by 7 a.m. Because we have colleagues on the East Coast that need things done, you know, before the day's halfway over for them. So I got up early after a late night um, with, uh, with a couple cocktails, a couple margaritas. So I wasn't feeling exactly razor sharp. And I got my morning work part done. And then uh, was like, all right, let's get the girls out of the house. Let's go to the dog park. So um, I'm, you know, a little bit groggy, trying to just kind of power through the day. Um, but one of the nice things to, I think about being hungover is that it kind of just puts you in the moment, right? You're a little bit too tired to think about big problems, you know, and, and you know, you kind of just like, all right, how am I going to get through the next couple hours? Um, you know, it kind of just simplifies life down for me a little bit. I found that some of my favorite lyrics and some of my favorite songwriting sessions have been a, a tad hungover, you know, not sick and not like not miserable, but just that teeny little bit of just a little cloudy and just sort of ideas just come to you a little bit, a little bit more. I don't know. I, I find at least I've done some pretty, pretty decent writing a little bit hungover. Um, but so today I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be adventurous today. I'm going to go out in the world, take my girls out in the world. Uh, you know, take, make sure the dog is getting taken care of. Cause you know, while, uh, while the wifey is away on work travel, it's a little bit hard to pay attention to the dog as well as the kids. So he's getting shortchanged on some walks and runs and stuff. And I'm like, you know, let's, let's take him to the park. He's, he's being a good boy. Let's, let's take him to the park. So, um, we leave the park and I'm like, you know what? The other thing that we wanted to do was go get uh, bare essentials from the grocery store. So it's like, all right, let's go to the grocery store. And, um, you know, it's not so hot yet. Let's just crack the windows. We'll leave Jack in the car and we'll go, um, we'll just get the essentials. We'll make it a really quick grocery store run. Now, if I was by myself, that probably would have worked just fine. Um, and of course in Arizona here, we're very sensitive about dogs being left in cars because especially in the summertime when it gets hot, these puppies can overheat and, uh, and die. Right. Yeah. I mean, that'd be, that'd be bad. So there's a pretty, um, sort of palpable, tangible awareness about leaving dogs in cars. Like you'll see signs up in, in shopping, um, parking lots that say, you know, is it too hot for your dog? Um, don't leave your dog in the car kind of stuff. And I was like, you know what? We're going to be real fast. We'll crack the windows. Um, he just got to run around at the park. So he's happy. He's just going to lay in the back of the SUV, take a nap. And next thing you know, you know, we'll be back, back, uh, out of the grocery store. So I'm like, that's the plan. So we leave Jack in the trunk of the SUV and start walking towards the grocery store. And my daughter, my four-year-old noticed that off to the side, there's a cart with uh, a pretend car. So if you do have kids, you'll probably know what I'm talking about. If you don't, um, shopping carts, imagine a plastic car that's attached to the front of a shopping cart and that your kids can sit in like one of those Fisher price cars. So they sit in there and then you push the cart and it's like you're pushing them in a car. Um, she sees one of those way off to the side. Um, like what, so the, there's the shopping, um, the grocery store, and then there's a strip of other stores, right? So this was way off to the side and we go walk over there. It's probably about a three, you know, 200 yard walk, probably off to the right. And we're passing these other stores, like, I don't know, nail salons and, uh, just, I don't know what else, but uh, the, the store we end up being right outside of was a Barnes and Noble and where this car shopping cart was. And the girls look in the window of Barnes and Noble and there's this cool kids section with all this cool stuff. And they were like, Oh dad, look at this. And I was like, yeah, Barnes and Noble is pretty cool. And I was feeling that sort of adventurous, like let's go with the flow of the moment kind of vibe. 
Um, so forgetting that Jack was in the car and that we were in a huge rush, I was like, hey, yeah, sure, let's go in there. And uh, I, I had a book that I wanted to pick up too um, called uh, We Learn Nothing by Tim Kreider, which I'm going to start reading tonight, hopefully. Um, so I'm like, hey, you know what? I want to pick up this book. And the girls should have an experience in a cool bookstore because that's really cool. And, you know, somewhat educational. And maybe if, if they're really good, I'll, I'll buy them a book. So this was in my head. And we go in and we're enjoying Barnes & Noble. And I swear my girls could spend an hour there with me and just be entertained looking at all the cool stuff. And they've got, it's way different than I, than I remember. There's like to, basically toys and puzzles and board games. I saw something really cool. What was it? A, a clue version uh, that that board game Clue, but it was a uh, Nightmare Before Christmas version, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So yeah, all you know, Harry Potter stuff and Star Wars stuff, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, this is this is fun. This is a fun store. So my girls were loving it, and we do the Barnes and Noble thing. Well, I had accidentally left my wallet in the car. Um, I think I put it in the uh, the center console when I was running around with Jack at the dog park because I didn't want it to flop out of my pocket while I was there. So uh, I'm like, oh, okay, shoot. So we picked out what we wanted. We left it with the uh, the checkout guy. And I said, hey, I'm really sorry. My wallet's in the car. I'll be right back. And then we go to the car and I'm like, oh, yeah, Jack is in the back of the car. And then I'm like, oh, wait, so we probably won't grocery shop then because, you know, we're running out of time here. We just spent, you know, 20 minutes in Barnes & Noble, and this whole uh, this whole stop was only supposed to be 20 minutes. And then I'm like, you know what? I've seen people walk with their dogs into the grocery store before. It's like, I bet I can do that. So we grab my wallet, we go back to Barnes & Noble, pay for our stuff, go back to the car, grab the dog, and walk into the grocery store. And I am not like a push the envelope kind of person. I am a what are the rules so I can live within them safely and peacefully kind of person. And I don't know what the rules are about bringing dogs into grocery stores, but I've seen it done. I've noticed, especially out here in Arizona where it's very hot and especially in the summertime, people bring their dogs inside because you can't leave them in the car. So I immediately kind of feel a little bit rebellious and a little bit guilty and I'm like I don't know if I'm supposed to be doing this I've got my four-year-old in the cart and I'm negotiating with her to stay in the cart and I'm like Bryn you 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 got to understand that this is unusual we don't usually bring Jack in but it's too hot and you know because time had passed it wasn't mid-morning anymore it was now the afternoon the sun was getting hot I was like you know I, I was literally uh, this was funny my six-year-old when we went um <laughs> in between Barnes and Noble and the grocery store, she was like, "Is Jack gonna be dead?" And I was like, "Oh my God, Emma!" You know, he's so we <laughs> we go in there. She's like, "Yeah, he's not dead," but uh, now my six-year-old can't stop talking about the fact that we're bringing the dog into the grocery store. Um, my four-year-old doesn't want to be in the cart. I've tied Jack's leash to the cart just in case and so that I can use both hands while I'm grocery shopping and I'm like you know what this is getting crazy like this is too much you know I've got to step over his leash when he's got you know if he goes from the left side of me to the right side of me um, I'm kind of trying to keep him out of sight so we, we walk in and I notice a couple employees notice that I have Jack and they don't stop me and I was like okay if employees aren't stopping me then that's a good sign that probably means I'm okay I'm still a little bit stressed out about it um Okay, so yeah, the, um, sorry about that, I had to let Jack back in. Um, so uh, the employees are seeing me with the dog, and they're not saying anything. I'm like, okay, that's a good sign. Um, and we're, we're going, and we're shopping. I'm like, okay, maybe this isn't so bad. And that initial feeling of being rebellious and, and doing something wrong, you know, I'm, I'm kind of getting comfortable with the situation. You know, if anything, people are looking at me and smiling and noticing the dog and kind of, you know, oh, yay. And uh, I'm like, you know, I think this is going to be just fine. Um, and then I get to the deli section. I was like, you know what? He might get excited with the smell of this meat and the butcher and stuff. Hey, buddy, go lay down. Calm down. So, um, I didn't want him to get too excited. Uh, I was like, you know what? We'll we'll just we'll just hurry through the the butcher deli section. And this woman who was in line at the deli, 
she sees us and um, she's like a middle-aged corporate America Caucasian woman and she looks over she kind of looks us up and down and uh, she goes you know and, and immediately I'm just like okay here it comes this is why I had that pit in my stomach because I knew somebody was going to give me grief and she goes you know only service dogs are supposed to be in the grocery store and I was like oh okay uh yes sorry about that I didn't know um and I didn't want to leave him in the car it's getting a little hot and she goes well you should leave him home and I'm like, you know, I may be exaggerating a little bit, like it maybe didn't have that kind of attitude in her delivery, but that's exactly the attitude that was coming across, right? And I'm looking at her like, fuck, lady, I've got, you know, I've got two young daughters and I've got this dog and I'm just trying to get my grocery shopping done so that I can go home and watch the Ravens game. Um, and the Ravens blow this year, don't they? Oh, Jesus. Um, so I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm sorry about that. Uh, good to know for next time. And we'll, we'll just get the bare essentials and, and keep the trip really short. <laughs> so I walked away basically saying like, okay, thanks for the information. I'm going to continue shopping now. Um, but after that one interaction, I just knew just the Nate, the, I, I don't have a F you and walk away kind of personality. I have a, I'm going to bend over backwards to make sure that nobody is upset with what's going on with what I'm doing. I don't want to negatively impact anybody's experience. And then I also start thinking to myself, like, is it sanitary to have a dog in a grocery store? Like, this is people's food. Like, but, and then I was like, well, people are pretty gross, too. Um, you know, some people are probably dirtier than most dogs. Um, so I'm, like, having all these thoughts about if, if I should be allowed to have them in there, if I shouldn't. Um, part of me was like, you know, it's just a bunch of wigwams, right? I mean, people are going to define the experience. If somebody wants to be a big stickler about it and come chase me out of the store, that's their prerogative, right? But I also can just kind of define my own experience and, hey, I'm walking into the grocery store with a dog and here we go. It seems to be working so far. Oh, okay. Here's one cunty lady at the deli that's telling me I can't do it. Oh, well, let's keep walking. And not 30 seconds after I had walked away from the lady at the deli who was telling me I couldn't do it, this little old Irish lady is walking the other way and she notices us. So I'm, you know, I'm heading this way and she's heading towards us and she notices the dog and she goes, oh, I can't do an Irish accent, but she was like, oh, isn't he lovely? And I was like, oh, oh, thank you. She was like, he's such a good boy. And I was like, oh my gosh, this li she was so wrinkly and so like stooped over and just walking along with her cart. I, th I think he knows the stories about him. That's why he's barking so much. Jack! And he's also weirded out that I'm sitting here on the couch doing this. But uh, so this little old Irish lady, I swear she might have been an angel from God just balancing out the universe of this situation because I was so upset that this lady was, was, you know, telling me the rules about the dogs and that I was in this situation. I was like, oh God, you know, this is why I don't, this is why I don't try things. And this is why I'm not adventurous. And, you know, I should always research the rules before I go do anything. Like that's my, that's my MO generally. And I was like, see, this is what happens when you try to, you know, do something on the fly and go with the flow and be cool. Um, you get all worked up. And I mean, I am physically ill from this interaction, right? I'm like sweating a little bit. I'm all tense. I'm like looking. Uh, so as if I had a baseball cap on I was like looking up under my brow at people to see if they're noticing me and if they're judgy if I'm going to get in trouble um you know the announcements that are going over the the top of the loudspeaker in the grocery store like clean up on aisle seven that kind of thing I was like oh my god they're gonna say like somebody you know tackle that guy with the dog in aisle 14 um, I was super paranoid, super tense, super stressed out. And then this little, little Irish, little old wrinkly lady, angel from heaven is like, oh, what a lovely dog. And I was so thrilled that she would say something because it was like, she didn't have to say anything. She could have just thought that and smiled and nodded like a lot, like a lot of people did. But, uh, but she was like, oh, what a lovely dog. Um, and I was just like, oh, that's so cool that, that the universe balanced itself out like that. Um, so then we, we did shop quickly. Um, 
I didn't even check my eggs. I always check my eggs when I get a, a carton, a dozen eggs. I always open it up and poke them with my finger to make sure that they wiggle okay. If they don't wiggle, that probably means that there's a little crack in them and it, it's gotten a little gooey and, and then solidified. So yeah, that's my move is, and I'm sure everybody does this, but you open up the carton of eggs, you just poke them with your, your index finger, make sure they wiggle a little bit, and then they're usually good to go. Um, I didn't even do that. I was just like, let's grab some eggs. Let's keep going. Um, I did remember all the essentials, including garbage bags. That was the thing that we were going to be hurting if we didn't pick that up um, at, on that trip. But, uh, you know, got, got the dog through the store. No big deal. Um, I, I'm still stressed out just because, you know, I, I don't shake things off very quickly. Um, and, uh, you know, we get to, get to the cash register and I say, so I got to ask, is he allowed to be in here? And she goes, technically only service dogs are supposed to be in here, but I don't care. And I said, okay, cool. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, good to know. So I don't think Jack's going to come back to the grocery store anytime soon, but, uh, I'm glad we did it. And it was this kind of, uh, exciting, funny story, um, that I thought would be fun to share on the podcast, but, uh, all right, I got to go pick up my kids. Enjoy this spooky Halloween mad scientist laboratory outro and, uh, have a great Halloween. I am going to go fishing this weekend with my buddies, uh, PH fishing. I'm going to go see the fish, uh, the fish experience, <laughs> the fish experience. I'm going to go see fish in Vegas. So, uh, it should be a blast and I'll catch you on the flip side. Peace. Thank you.